This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Edition. Mackie and Judd, Phil, uh, taking some time off for the holidays. So it's actually, I would actually be Zolgad and Goff, Declan Goff, uh, producing, co-hosting, all that good stuff. And uh, we return, well, we, we return to talk about one good thing, but we also return to uh, put a bow on and the ordinary elements on <clears throat> a Vikings uh, 52 to 33 defeat to the Saints that officially brought to an end their playoff hopes. Want to talk about some thoughts off that game, Dex, uh, and then, of course, get to the pie chart of blame. But you know what? I got a new segment for you. Okay. It's going to be called Sports Dad Reads from the Sports Page, okay? <laughs> okay. Sports Dad went out and bought the paper today. Okay. And in reading, the, in reading Ben Gessling's game story in the Star Tribune, Sports Dad found some one paragraph that I think needs to be shared okay. as I flip through the pages of the newspaper. Let's see here. Let's see here. All right. It is this. The 583 yards the Vikings gave up were the most in franchise history. New Orleans' 52 points tied the Bears' output in 1961 for the second most ever against the Vikings, and their 264 rushing yards were the most the Vikings had allowed since 1991. And, and of course, we talked about the fact on Vetline that the 52 points was the most that they've given up since um, they since the Cardinals scored, I think, 56 against them in 1963. But, I mean, that just encapul- encapsulates, Declan, uh, the in- ineptitude that we saw defensively. And I know a lot of guys were out, but let me tell you what I think is a very interesting uh, tightrope that Zim tried to walk in his postgame press conference yesterday all right all right and it's this imagine the offense has guys out all right Mm -hmm. and they play like that like i I don't know what that is minus eight points or something sure Uh, but let's just say let's just say that the offense is um is decimated with injuries but they play like that and let's say let's flip it and say zim's defense plays well but the Vikings have no chance because the offense is so bad. I think we know what the postgame press conference would be, right? Mm-hmm. Zim going up to the mic and basically red-faced telling you that this was an inexcusable effort. It was unprofessional. Like he would go full full Zim, which we love because it's full Zim. Um, in his postgame press conference, Zoom press conference yesterday, he was very careful. Like he did, he did say, this is the worst defense I've had. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said that youth has nothing to do with tackling. So I'm not trying to say he didn't criticize them. Sure. But I don't think he ever used the word I, like this is my responsibility. And and he did, and he did default, he walked a very fine line of defaulting to, but I don't have my guys, right? Right. And I just kept coming back to, you know, let's say, let's say it had been Norv's offense or or Flip's offense, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, I don't think that they would have gotten the benefit of the doubt that Zim gave himself. So I found it to be very intriguing that while he was clearly unhappy, and he should have been, mm-hmm. we didn't get the old, well, this is partially my fault. Like, these are my players. We got the old, well, I don't have Kendricks, and I don't have Barr, and I don't have Pierce, and I don't have Hunter. And he's not wrong about th- those things. But I just wonder what the tone would have been from Michael if if the uh, situation had been flipped and this had been an offense that he doesn't really take the blame for and he could have filleted them. Well, I mean, he, he did admit that this is the worst defense I've ever seen. That was a quote that he so so he did the worst de- defense I've had. Yeah. And, and that's just a matter of a fact and yep. good for him to at least recognize that. But, um, you know, last night, Judd, I actually I, I was talking after we got done with the vent line. I uh, hopped on another Zoom chat with some high school friends for a little Merry Christmas cheer. And we were talking about the game and, and, and we were talking about Mike Zimmer. And, and I have staunch friends who are bigger diehard Vikings fans even than I am. And, and they love the Vikings. And, and some of them even love Mike Zimmer and what he's been able to do. Um, but I, I kind of reference what Eric Eager has said from Pro Football Focus. And what I have said, too, even though that I have been a Zimmer guy, is when your defense has at least one weak link on that chain, let's just say it's the cornerbacks in, the, in this situation, it gets exposed and you can't compete. And they, they tried to flip it and say, well, what if, uh, what if Kirk Cousins was out? And what if Dalvin also shredded his leg? And what if Justin Jefferson had a problem? Well, at least then the Vikings offense would be able, it, there, there'd be a pass there. Like if, if the Vi- if like you said, with the Vikings defense, if it was flipped, right? If it was yeah. flipped, yeah. at least the Vikings offense would be able like, it, it's in the hands of the offense to dictate and control the game at the end of the day. That's and the philosophy and what you're trying to do. So if your defense isn't all there and I know guys are out Kendricks, Hunter name, name them all. But if you can't score and if, and if you're not in a philosophy with an offense that, that can't compete and keep up in 2020 with the way the NFL is heading, then you're stuck in a rut, man. You're in a, you're in a worse place and you don't want, you don't want to be in that spot. You I'm just curious though, spot. what, what Mike, if Mike had, had watched in a uh, shorthanded offense play as poorly as his defense did, if he would have been as uh, said, yeah, it was embarrassing, blah, blah, blah. But then kept saying, but he didn't have it, you know, but, but flip or, but Norv or, but Coobs or Shermer didn't have his guys. Um, the other thing where I think Mike is falling short is I am prepared to say this. I don't have any sympathy for his corners struggling mm-hmm. because that's his baby. And he's the guy that made no attempt to go out and sign anybody and went in with Dantzler and Gladney. And Gladney, make no mistake, yesterday took a step back. He took yeah, a step, a he took yeah, a step yeah. back. Yeah. But, I mean, this is in game 15. Right. Um, so I have no sympathy for Mike on cornerback play because this was Mike's whole thing of I can coach him up, I can do this, and you know he said that. And and for them to play like they did against, by the way, a quarterback who right now is cooked. Mm-hmm. Like Drew exactly. Brees, you did not get done by Drew Brees, the guy who's going to Canton. This is a guy who, who had 11 broken ribs and whose arm strength, I, I think before he broke the ribs, was right. on the decline. So, all right, your defensive line, I'm not going to give you a complete pass. But and but here here's the, the problem, too. You re-signed Shamar Stefan. Like, you brought him back. He's terrible. You know, <laughs> you drafted Jalil J- Johnson, what now, four years ago, three years back? The point being is Jalil Johnson should be developed. So, like, you are saying, I need my guys back. But, Mike, make no mistake, your guys are these guys, too. Mm-hmm. And – 
I'm not saying they can't give up 35 points, okay? But 52? 52 and for you not to say, you know, this comes back on me too. Because it does. It does. Jalil Johnson was your draft pick. Shamar Stefan left you, went to the Seahawks, and you brought him back, right? Like, look, But look at all the guys who are playing who were drafted under Mike's watch, and you know that Rick does not execute a defensive draft pick, Dex, mm-hmm. unless Mike says yes. Right. So, like, you can't give me – you can't give up – hold on a second. Sports dad's got to get to the sports page again. You can't give up 583 yards of franchise record with your guys. Those are your guys. And then come back and be like, well, I need my guys back. I mean, yes, we'd all like to see your guys back. Um, and and look, coming out of the Chicago game, I had some sympathy there. But that wasn't 52 points. Yeah. And look- and Alvin Kamara is a really good back, but look at his ordinary rushing totals decks. They're not what he they're not even close. They're he he's not Dalvin Cook ordinarily. And he was yesterday. Do you know yesterday yesterday was the first time? I I didn't believe this when my friend said it last night. This yesterday was the first time in Alvin Kamara's entire career that he rushed for 20 attempts. Yeah. You know, he's never rushed for at least 20 attempts. No, you know why, Declan? Because they know with a guy like that, but but I bet he's had a bunch of games with 20 touches. For sure. Yeah. But hold on a second here. Hold on. I'm going to take the glasses off to explain this one. Okay. Believe it or not, there's offensive schemes. I'll speak slowly here. There's offensive schemes where you have a running back who m- might be a star, mm-hmm. and you want him to touch the ball a lot, but you don't both force feed it handing off to him and throwing to him because that shortens his career. Like, Kamara is what Dalvin Cook's supposed to be. Right. <laughs> You're not supposed to touch the ball 33 times. <laughs> Like that's not a that's not a sustainable way. That's basically taking your car out and driving as fast as possible. <laughs> You're going to crash. So Kamara is a great car, but they're like, let's let's go on, um, let's go, you know, this speed right now, and then we'll go this speed here and we'll throw it to him. And he'll get, let's say, 25 touches. But what we don't want to do is hand him the ball 28 times. So I mean the Saints, the Saints know that to prolong Kamara's career and get the most from him, that what makes sense is he's not force-fed the ball as far as it being handed to him a ton. But I just I just want to make it very clear, after last week acknowledging uh, falling the Bears' loss, that Zim and his defense were shorthanded, and I get all that. I thought yesterday was intriguing because Mike was very upset, and Mike wanted to go down that path but he really stopped himself and you come back to the fact that Mike has a hand in a lot of guys. Now the linebackers, not so much, but the defensive line, Mike's guys. Yep. The secondary Mike's guys. And we're, when we are all the ones and you, me, Phil, and lots of folks out there, we are all the ones back in what May and June who said, you're really not going to sign a veteran corner. Like you're not going to get any help here, Mike. I know. Like, does this make sense? So, um, end of rant on that. Should we get to the pie chart of blame? Yeah, let's do it. All right. We don't have our bells and whistles, so I will not go acapella on the NFL beds as much as I would love to. I want you to start. Okay. You give me, you go first this time, your pie chart of blame, Declan Goff, for the Vikings 52-33 loss. 
three pieces of pie in Declan's uh, Declan's pie, and like the gentleman I am, I always start from the bottom and work my way up. I'm going to start with uh, the NFC. I'm putting 5%, Judd, 5% of blame on the NFC conference for their ineptitude and their teasing and their can't-get-out-of-each-other's-way of who is really the best team, who is the team to beat in the NFC. And the Vikings, who started 1-5, Go on a nice little run. They're a game away from 500. If the season ended in week 10 or whatever it was, they would have been in the playoffs. I mean, they, they jumped Tampa Bay for the seventh seed. And Drew Brees is a, is a fragile human being of himself. He's no longer Drew Brees. He's going to be the next Peyton Manning throwing that, that butterfly, horrible spiral across down the field. And when you look at teams like Seattle, right? Seattle, the Seahawks. Russell Wilson's great. He's an MVP candidate, but that team is awful without him. Green Bay Packers, kind of a similar story. An elite quarterback, probably the favorite to an NFL MVP maybe, and Aaron Rodgers, but that defense is bad. Their wide receivers aren't very good. There's just holes around the NFC, and I'm putting so I'm putting 5% of the blame, at least, on the NFC conference because I, I'm so sick of trying to figure out who the best team is, and a team like the Saints, who we thought a month ago was supposed to be the best team, has Drew Brees as a shell of himself. And, you know, I know he's got punctured lungs, and the guy had like seven broken ribs just a month ago, so I feel for him there, but he's no longer Drew Brees. I'm putting 5% of my pie chart of blame right. on the NFC Conference. Okay. 25% goes no, to the talking. Vikings offensive line. And Dakota Dozier, and I have a good statement to give on Purple Daily later this afternoon as well. You can find on YouTube and our podcast feed that no, I, will, that I will get into. And I'm going to no, save. Saturday, Purple Daily, and and this show. No rest for us, Declan. Right, yeah. No rest for the wicked. Uh, Christmas time or uh, what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But five, 25% of the blame goes to the Vikings offensive line. And, and it's right. a collection of people. I mean, Dakota, Dakota Dozier, Garrett Bradbury, Riley Reef. No, actually, I think Brian O'Neill actually graded out pretty solidly yesterday from Pro Football Focus. So at least I'll grade out, Dex. Uh, I I think about average, a little bit below okay. average, not great, but a little bit below average. But but Dakota Dozier and Bradbury had awful games. They couldn't stop uh, the, the Saints. And they couldn't hold up Kirk Cousins. And and by the way, Kirk Cousins is admitted for my pie chart to blame. I'm not going to say he's admitted from yours, but he's admitted from mine. Okay. I, I actually I I've, I appreciated the uh, the fire and the and the, and the angriness. I guess I should say from Kirk Cousins on the sidelines yesterday because he's fed up with it, and I don't blame him. So twenty five percent of my blame oh. goes to that Vikings offensive line. The according to Zimmer, the headset went out. So at the end of the first half, yeah. when Kirk melted down and we didn't know, um, Mike called the timeout before the pass that then subsequently got erased because yeah. the headset communication between the sideline and Kirk went out. That's right. why Kirk was mad. So exactly. But but Take still, he, he has he has sure. been pissed off, and I I, I don't blame him. I don't yep. blame him for him being upset. So twenty five percent of my blame goes there. Okay. And then the last chunk of my pie, the biggest piece of my pie, goes to the Vikings defense, specifically guys like Anthony Harris, even my guy Eric Wilson, and the defensive line for being completely inept at doing their jobs. I mean, I, I, I'm i a defender of Eric Wilson. I, I think the Vikings should bring him back on hopefully the most reasonable and, and best contract. But I think Eric Wilson's a nice player, and I would like to see him back. He got gassed yesterday. Anthony Harris is a shell of himself, and I want absolutely nothing to do with him in 2021. 
the defensive line. I know Hunter's out. Everson Griffin left. Wah, wah, wah. Like, figure out ways to pressure the quarterback. There's unique ways you can figure out to pressure the quarterback. It's with blitzes, with other players, Judd. Maybe, like, your linebacker or a safety blitz or, hell, a quarterback blitz. Figure out something to make up for your defensive line's ineptitude. Mike Zimmer, your defensive guru, Figure that out. So 70% of my, I'm not going to put it on Zimmer because I've done that before and it's lame to keep doing it. So I'm going to put it on specific players like Anthony Harris, Eric Wilson, and the defensive line. So 70% of my pie try to blame. So to wrap up my whole chunk of pie, 5% goes to the NFC. 25% goes to the Vikings offensive line. 70% to the collection of Anthony Harris, Eric Wilson, and the defensive line for allowing a franchise record in yards, a 52 Burger in New Orleans on Christmas Day, the holiest of days of all days. It was a bad, it was a bad loss for the Vikings. And Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah. In the words of Clark Griswold, kiss my you know what, kiss you know his what. That's uh, that's what I'll have to say. All right. That was a very impassioned uh, pie chart of blame. <laughs> I liked it. All right. So 5%. I'll start like you did at the bottom and go to the top. 5% of my pie chart of blame. It's just a small slice, but it's got to go to this guy for submarining hope because at every turn, at least two of the last three games, he has submarined hope. 5% Dan Bailey, all right? Like you're within 24-20 and you're about to go, hey, 24-21, not too bad, down by by three. I mean, the incredible thing is you gave up 52 points and for a lot of that game, Declan Goff, it was a winnable football game, all right? It was a winnable football game. Like I kept saying, how are they in this? But they were. But you score, it's 24-20. The extra point, if he kicks that, it's 24-21. You're down by a bleeping field goal. That's really, really good, considering the fact that it felt like, at that point, the Saints probably should have been up by 20, and you miss it. And you can just feel the pin go into the balloon, right? Just like in Tampa. It's like, we got points, so and now we don't have all the points that we thought we were going to have. So just a 5% chunk, just a small one. Dan Bailey is just a a joy stealer as far as points go. He is the guy who you think, all we need is you to make this one. It's one point, and he misses it. All right. Um, Next up, 10%. Jeff Gladney, big step back back here. Uh, He he has had a nice year. He he has certainly improved. He is far from being a polished product. Uh, But I felt like that there were a lot of missed tackles. I felt like. He basically, I don't know if he was making business decisions, but just, I don't don't want to say he struggled because he struggled in some areas of effort, like tackling Declan. Mm-hmm. And that's not really a struggle. Like tackling is not a slump. Like you don't go into a tackling. Oh man, I'm in a tackling slump. I, <laughs> I can't get out of this tackling slump. I've forgotten how to tackle. Like that's not the same thing. And so I'm going to reserve a 10% piece of pie for Gladney because I was disappointed. Um, I really hope to see from guys like Gladney and Dantzler, who, who did uh, tweak his ankle again, really week-to-week progress. And again, if this is Drew Brees in his prime, I guess I'm not shocked, but he's not. He is. He's hurt. He's clearly concerned about his ribs. His arm strength before that was going down, and he is, yeah, I mean, your your comp is perfect. He he is Peyton. He is Manning with the Broncos. He's smart enough to get the ball to people, but he is certainly not slinging the ball in there. He essentially can't throw deep. And Jeff Gladney 
really, to me, seemed to, and I, I don't know what the PFF uh, grade says for him, but he really seemed to have a uh, a questionable day when he was probably needed the most. And in game 15, I don't think it's a ton to ask to have a good game. Yeah, I, I believe actually his his PFF grade was one of the lowest on the Vikings. And if, if memory serves right, I believe it was in the 30 range. Which you know, where not... he missed Kamara. I mean, I know Kamara strong, but Kamara, I mean, that dude, that is effort. That is sticking with the tackle. Yeah, that's, I, that's not a slump. That's um, bad. That's bad. Uh, okay, so 5% to Dan Bailey, 10% to uh, Jeffrey Gladney. 40% goes to Anthony Harris and the defense. And here's yep. why. Yep. Ant, Ant, my man. You are a veteran here. You are on the franchise tag. The franchise tag is one year, $11.4 million, okay? You are you are making more than Harrison Smith. Um, you were expected to come back this year and play lights out and earn either from the Vikings or elsewhere, probably elsewhere, a long-term contract. Uh, you are one of the people left who's healthy, who can, you know, who's out there, who is looked to as a beacon of light on a defense that needs that. And you appear to be making business decisions, I thought, constantly. I mean, the Kamara stuff. Again, I know he's tough to stop. I know he's really good. But get in front of him and tackle him. Bring mm-hmm. him down. Like, this is this is not a slump again. This is not a – so 40%, the defense was abysmal. But I want to start – with Harris because he can't really have a bad day and he did. And I thought he he had a bad day in things that require effort. Very surprising, disappointing. His entire year to me has been disappointing, but I don't think I've seen a game from him in recent vintage where it's been like that, where I came away saying he looked bad and disinterested. And what's the excuse? Like there's none there, right? Right. And then finally, 45%, I am going to be, unlike you, I am going to pick on not the quarterback. No, no, he was fine. He was fine. <laughs> the quarterback does not make my pie chart of blame. I am going to pick on Mike Zimmer and the defensive preparation. 45%. Mike, I will say what you wouldn't say. This is largely on you. Like, this is – don't give me your guys. Go – Pick up the depth chart of the guys that played the defensive line and the secondary, especially, and look at how many of those guys are Mike's guys. They are supposed to be the next guys, right? You, you drafted them, you signed them. They are not guys largely who were brought off the street. Now the linebackers are all right, but that secondary is yours. And you, and by the way, this is game 15. You assured me that that secondary would be in good shape. And I know that Mike Hughes got hurt and that stinks, but you also assured me that you are the, uh, especially cornerback whisperer. And I didn't see any whispering going on on Friday against the saints. So I'm going to, uh, give a nice big helping crisp piece of Christmas pie, 45% to Zim and a defense that without question, Declan was not prepared. They were not prepared to play that game. And that has to at least go back on Mike, Andre Patterson, Adam, his son, uh, who is who, who are the co-defensive uh, coordinators. This falls back on you. Like you can't you can't just say, "I wish I had my guys back." Well, that would be nice, but you gave up fifty-two points. You right. gave up fifty-two points. You didn't have a rough day 
where you gave up 36 points. You mm-hmm. gave up 52 points. I mean, it's the most points. Think about this. Les Steckles, 3-13, and 3-13 uh, team in 84. The Frazier years, which became, you know, Josh Robinson watching or hearing Aaron <laughs> Rodgers' passes go by his ear hole. Um, all of those teams didn't give up as many points as the defense that is coordinated by a guy who is a defensive guru, not an offensive guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most points since 1963, which, by the way, was the third year of the Vikings' existence. So, 45% Zim and defensive prep. 40% Anthony Harris, who had a terrible day, and the defense as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, 10% Jeff Gladney, who I, I think took a step back, and I'm not quite sure why. And 5%, the the killer of joy when it comes to extra points, Dan Bailey had a chance to pull you within three in the third quarter, and you thought, we're going to be in good shape. Um, Oh, and the last thing on Zim, too. All right, explain this to me. If you know, Declan Goff, that you don't have your guys, right? Like your defensive guys ain't out there, okay? So you, So you're assuming <laughs> my defense in big trouble. And you win the coin flip, which the Vikings did. Do you give the Saints the ball? No. Like what? <laughs> you know you have to keep your defense. Like, well, but but I mean, then don't come back to me and say didn't have my guys. Right. Hold on, Mike. You won the coin flip. Yep. We all we all think that your that your offense is pretty damn good, right? <laughs> like we yep. all think you got Delvin, Justin, Adam, Kirk, um, Irv Smith Jr., Tyler Conklin. We all think that your offense can get the ball and drive and score, right? Totally. I understand if you have a defense where you have, quote, unquote, your guys Mm -hmm. saying, okay, Saints, you get the ball first and we're going to show you. Sure. But if you're going to come back postgame and say, have you seen who we don't have? (laughs) Then don't give them the football to start the game with. I know. It's totally contradictory. It's totally contradictory. You do that to make a statement. What was your statement yesterday? As you said, we're going to give up a 52-burger. That's your statement? Yeah. So help me out here. Like, the the contradictory message, don't come back and tell me that this is your worst defense, which is true, but don't come back and tell me that after you gave them, after you gave Breeze and Kamara, especially, the football. And by the way, on the first touchdown run by Kamara, which I think was 40 or 42 yards, he was mm-hmm. not touched. He I know. Was, so you basically gifted them a touchdown. I know. That's, that's last time I checked. That's nobody's fault. But the guy who makes the decision, that's Correct. Mike Zimmer. Correct. Ugly loss. Ugly, ugly loss. loss. Merry, uh, Merry Christmas. But you know, you, but you know who didn't suffer an ugly loss. And I actually, um, because we did our, our vet my postgame show. And then uh, I did a column that you can find at scorenorth.com on the Vikings defensive effort. I DVR'd Gophers, Iowa. And let me tell you, the sports dad reads the sports page again. Let, <laughs> let me tell you that I was um, very, very shocked when I saw, I think around the time that we got done with Ventline, that they were going to OT. And then I was absolutely stunned when I saw that the Gophers had won 102-95 against the Hawkeyes, who were, by the way, the fourth-ranked team in the country, going into that game at Williams Arena last night. Um, after I saw the Gophers decks lose in Champaign and Illinois beat them by 20 plus, it was awful. 
I thought to myself, okay, hold on a second. You go, Illinois lost. St. Louis, which came in here yep. uh, undefeated, I think, yep. lost. They won. I didn't see that game. Right. Iowa, you are sunk. I mean, Garza is a great player. Um, I would I would make this case. I think the first half of the Gophers Iowa game last night, where Luke Garza was held to five points, mm-hmm. I think it might be there's a case to be made. The best half of coaching and strategy that we've seen from Richard Patino in his entire time here. Garza had, I think it was five points. Um, Robbins I had two fouls, as he always does, fairly quickly. And then the Gophers used an array of players and an and and um defensive sets to basically hold him down. It was impressive. And I will say this too. Going back to to the problem that the Vikings had against the Saints, which was to me also effort and tackling, mm-hmm. the effort that the Gophers put forth in that first half last night, defensively too, was outstanding, absolutely. And it proved to me this: if this team applies itself like it possibly can, yeah, I'm not saying that they're going to be great, but they're going to be good, and they are a tournament team. Uh, but that first half last night and the strategy and the game plan that Patino had yeah. was, I thought, off the charts impressive, both from a both from an implementation standpoint and an execution standpoint. I mean, all, all you can ask for, basically, if you're a Gopher, Gopher Hoops fan, is is to be a tournament team, is is, is yeah. to get into March Madness and hopefully win a game or two, figure out figure figure out things from there. You're not Duke, you know, you're not UNC. You know, you're not you're not a powerhouse by any means, but you got some good players here. I know Rick Pitino as you know, the, the, I guess the room you could say is split on how they feel about Rick Pitino. But I really feel like this group from uh, that the Gophers have right now is a very, very solid team. And if, if you can get them into a tournament team and, and by the way, I don't know if COVID is going to alter the 64 team or 60, I should say, was it 68 team technically because there's plans now. I don't know if the NCAA is going to be altering what they're going to do for March Madness, Judd. I don't, I don't know what the hell they're, they're going to do since there wasn't one last year. Mm-hmm. But I, I would say if you, if you can run through this gauntlet of a schedule, by the way, I mean, they are in the thick of it right now. If you can pull off wins like Iowa, but you, know, you, you lose to a team like SLU, who's really good, if, if you can figure out ways to be upsetting good teams you can sneak into the tournament and if you're a gopher hoops fan i think that's all you can ask for if, if you can get in the tournament then anything can happen brandon johnson last night on three pointers eight of nine uh, 26 points in where, where ot he was phenomenal he tweaked his ankle a couple weeks back okay um but i think here here's the most important thing for patino i think they have found rotations and playing time that work and okay. A perfect example is this one. Booth Gotch is a pretty good player, okay? Yeah. Uh, but th- through the non-conference games and then into the Illini game, I thought he was playing way too much. A- and in the game in Champaign, he was absolutely awful. Like, I think I think he had one point. He was terrible. And it's not that he can't play, but he can't play that that much. Um, th- they used uh, Mashburn more last night with Carr. Kelsher... I don't know three-point-wise his shooting. I don't know what's wrong, but he could play defense. Robbins, to me, is is he's not a great player, but I will say that I thought last night proved this. If he wants to play, he can. Sure. Um, he's gonna have he's going to get 
in foul trouble, but he's got a, a decent three-point shot. In fact, he hit a key one in OT last night. Um, and I think if he wants to get inside and bang, he can, and he should, but it's going to be a night-to-night proposition. But last, but I think it was he, he got embarrassed in the Illini game because mm-hmm. they got destroyed. Uh, and then playing against Garza, who is a top player in the entire country, I think probably motivated uh, Robbins a little bit there. And so if he wants to play, he can play. Sure. And we're going to have to find out is the is basically the switch flipped on a night-to-night basis. Uh, Mashburn, I think, is going to improve. I think that he can play more. Uh, he seemed to last night. In fact, what did he play last night? He played uh, da, 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 24 minutes in last night's game. So he played quite a bit last night. Um, the other thing too, though, and he's so much fun to watch is Carr. Marcus Carr is just a player. 30 points last night, nine for 16 from the field, eight assists, three boards on three pointers, six of 13. Uh, he, he hit the three-point shot to tie the game that forced the OT. But, I mean, this guy has such a nice step-back shot, Dex. He is fun. He's a pro player. I don't know how successful he's going to be, but he is de- he is definitely the sh- uh, straw that stirs the drink. But I do think that they're getting into now a comfort zone of who can play when and how much. Good. And there, it would be so nice for golfer basketball to be good. It's yeah. so much fun when they're relevant when they're successful, they don't have to be great, but just be good. And that first Big Ten game, I thought to myself, oh, my God, this is going to be a disaster. After last night, it doesn't have to be, but it definitely has to be. They can't They can't basically throw Marcus Carr out and the ball and say, we can win. They need everybody actually playing. Last night, they did, but that's against the fourth-ranked team. And so now my question is this. Can you come back and repeat that and repeat it again? If you can, I think it's a tournament team. And the Big Ten, this is the key thing, Declan. It's absolutely stacked. The Big Ten is going to be – i th- I've heard that they could get as many as 10 teams in, but I think they're at least at eight teams. So it's awesome. going to be tough, but it should be fun. Uh, it, but it was just such a breath of uh, Minnesota sports fresh air sure. to see them – actually beat a top team and going into 2021 it'd be nice to see somebody be good because <laughs> the Vikings weren't the Wolves I, I think we have to uh, remain realistic about sure. so if we could so if we could get go for basketball at least being a relevant good team it would make a difference I mean Look, we're, we're hockey guys. We love hockey. We love we and 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 we love the Minnesota Wild. Listen to Judd's hockey show, which you can find on Apple, Spotify, and Score North. But when basketball is good in this town, Judd, it's it's fantastic. Like 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 I, I don't think I don't think even though you and I are are hockey guys over basketball, maybe just by the uh, by our by our own personal greed. Um, I, when, when basketball is good in this town, it's fantastic. Growing up as, as a young kid with Kevin Garnett and the Wolves, and I know that most of them were first round exits. Man, that was fun, and that's what's and and that is honestly that's probably why I don't value basketball and why I don't really necessarily gravitate towards it over the last fifteen years. Because after KG left, it's been ineptitude; like it's just been horrible basketball. But when it's good and when it's exciting, even the one year that Jimmy Butler was here for the full season before he got really upset, that was exciting. That was fun when that they playing game against 
Denver was great. Yeah, that might be that the last game. That's a top five game in franchise history, honestly, for the Wolves. And I know that's maybe a little sad, but at the same time, it was a fantastic game when the Gophers upset Iowa uh, in the tournament in 2019. You know, like when basketball is good in this town, the fans will always gravitate towards it. So it, it, it's a good thing Gopher Hoops pulled off the upset. And yes, cautiously optimistic is probably how we should phrase it for the Wolves right now, but whatever. I'm taking the win. I loved what I saw from Anthony Edwards. And this dude is not, I don't want to hear an Andrew Wiggins comparison oh, yeah. ever again. He's ever great. Again. He's, he's awesome. great. I have no idea if he's going to be a star, Sure, but his demeanor is just outstanding. Yeah. He is going to be a fun kid to cover. Yeah. The, the Wiggins thing, I don't get it now. Like, okay. I get if you're slightly concerned about his passion for basketball, but let's be very clear, and I don't think that this is, is a reach. On a night-to-night basis, there were times, a lot of them, where Andrew Wiggins didn't care about sports. Right. Edwards, okay, he might like football more, but I think he really loves sports. And I'm, so I'm not saying that, that he's like Mr. Basketball. Uh, but we need to be very the, – the Wiggins comparison is incredibly dicey, and I think we probably – Need, need to be incredibly careful with that comparison mm-hmm. because that's a guy who didn't like his job. Like right. he didn't care about sport. If you had come on, on a, a lot of game days. So like Dex, let's say the wolves were playing, take your fringe team, the bulls. Okay. Sure. And you had gone to Wiggins's apartment and knocked on the door and had a list of five things that, he could do and what one of them was play that night against the bulls but this included video games or alternatives i think playing the bulls might have been fifth on his list <laughs> edwards does not have that problem like this is not this if we call somebody down the road in andrew wiggins we need to realize we are accusing you of not caring about your your job. And I love I love the early stuff two games in from Golden State. Andrew Wiggins has been terrible. He's been awful. He has been I keep retweeting these or tweeting these people back and saying, "Yeah, this is what you get and you yeah. will get a couple of great games." I mean, I am not for one second questioning the God-given ability Andrew Wiggins has, all right? Cuz God blessed him. He's got incredible mm-hmm. talent. But he doesn't care. Um, and so ladies and gentlemen in Golden State, or if you're a uh, Warriors fan, Gerson Rosas uh, dumped a person off on you who doesn't like basketball. It's mm-hmm. that simple. And, and Anthony Edwards, to me, in watching his demeanor, seems to enjoy life. He seems to have some fire and passion. You name me. How many times did you see Wiggy have fire or passion? Very rarely. Very rarely. And it always had to be against a team that he was bound and determined to show that he could play. Right. Um, but yeah, come on. L- l- let's stop right there. And and let's think long and hard before we give that Wiggins mantle to athletes. Because that's a dangerous one. And Golden State, look, this guy, Wiggins ultimately, I think, is is in the first year now of he's going to bounce around. He's going to go. He'll be with Golden State for two years, right? And then he'll be with take your pick the the next the the magic. Well, yeah. because because the talent will always the talent will get teams and personnel to say 
we can fix them. Yep. I mean, this, this is the big thing in sports. Ah, if we get our hands on Andrew Wiggins, it's going to be different here. And so he'll bounce from Orlando to Charlotte to Toronto, of course. Um, but he doesn't care. He nope. does not care. And Gold State seeing that. And, and I mean, opening night, they got absolutely drilled by Brooklyn, right? And the quotes were, you could have you could have gone to the Timberwolves archives, Declan Goff, and lifted the Wiggy quotes and given them to the Golden State beat reporters and columnists. And they were the exact same. Got to do more, can do more. I know I can. Just got to do just one game. All of the same BS. And it's, it's lip service, and he doesn't care. But I'm with you. Ed- Edwards, to me, just as far as a person goes, is as far away as you could possibly get. He's going to be fun to watch. He's going to be fun to cover. He's going to probably have some terrible nights, but he is in no way, shape, or form the reincarnation of a guy who didn't give a damn about his job. He's not that guy. You're exactly. right. Exactly. He he is. He's. I don't know if he'll be a superstar, and and maybe and the jury's out there. There wasn't a consensus number one pick that could be a star um, in this year's draft, but I, I do think his demeanor and the way he carries himself. I mean, that does matter, especially... He's cocky. Right. Andrew wasn't cocky. Yeah. Andrew didn't give a damn. He didn't give a damn. And I, I want to see this fire. If Anthony Edwards only averages 10 points a game, fine. You know, and he, he had a great game in his in his debut. He averaged over 20, but still. And he's got pride. Yes. Like, he cares about this. Yes. And and he doesn't... Here's the, th- here's the most dangerous thing. So there, there's a bunch of things. But the most dangerous thing about Wiggy is this. Ultimately... He didn't care. Most guys care. Yep. Most guys, most guys have professional pride. I can't articulate enough the amount because everything with Andrew was lip service. Everything. You never believed a word. Everything right. was, I know, because he wasn't dumb. I know what they want to hear, so I'll tell them that, right? Right. But I don't really care. I want to go home, sit in front of my TV play my games and seriously that that's it and it drives you crazy but yeah Ed, edwards is going to be a guy who i think has a ton of professional pride who will have some bad games but will care about that will come back with strong games um he is not a guy who's going to circle three teams or two teams on his schedule and say i'm going to beat them and wiggins from day one circle cleveland because they they have obviously in the Kevin Love trade dealt him here, Toronto his hometown right. Yep. He circled those teams and was bound and determined to show those teams he was good. And if it was any other team at, at that time, Wiggy will have a big game against the Wolves. You know he will. Yep. It's how he operates. Yeah, that's fine. And everybody here, when he does, should laugh and say. Yep. Because that's where Golden State will then get drawn back in. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did you see that game? I mean, how many times did we say that? Oh, did you? Okay. Now, he played against the Cavs. If he can replicate that on January 13th against the Hawks, he wasn't going to. He didn't give a damn. Right. Enjoy it. In the words of Rick Rubio, enjoy it. <laughs> Ricky. Ricky, I like him. I think he's going to be good in the room. Mm-hmm. He looks out of sorts right now. Okay. I, I can't decide if he's sort of aging or if he's just getting into the because it's so you know. It, but he looks up. But he did. He was. I give him credit after they beat Detroit, which is a terrible team on opening night, but looked bad. I love the fact that he said he had the great quote: "We could be a really good team, and we right. could be a really bad team." 
Yeah. <laughs> self-awareness. Self-awareness. That might be a slogan of Wolves basketball. <laughs> or Minnesota sports. <laughs> we can, yeah, exactly right. We could be really good, but we can be really bad. Really bad. All right, we're done. Um, we're back Monday. Is I, that correct? I think so. I, okay. I Maybe. think we're going to be back on Monday. <laughs> uh, Phil, I think Phil is out next week as, as well. But if nothing else, it'll be uh, Judd and Declan talking some Vikings. Plenty of stuff going on. Uh, Mackie and Judd is the show. Appreciate you uh, tuning in. However you uh, either podcast us or watch us, we will talk to you later. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. At the Home Depot, we have the tools for you to give the gift of a smarter home with savings on top brands like the Google Hub, a command center for your smart devices that raises the IQ of your entire home, or the Nest Learning Thermostat that helps you conserve energy and save on your bill. And if you don't know what to get, gift cards are a smart gift no matter what they get. So this year, gift smarter with savings on tools to make your holiday magic. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.